0: Where Nobody Knows Your Name is recorded in front of Nobody. Hello and welcome to Where Nobody Knows Your Name, a Cheers podcast. I'm John. And I'm James. And James, out there. I don't know why the hesitancy, because this is a good episode. This is a good episode. Two girls for every boy. And I've got two facts for every listener. Okay, straight into the facts. Do you want to kick
1: yeah. them off, James? Number one. It's uh, based on a lyric from Surf City, you know, by uh, Jan and Mm -hmm. Dean. I think the Beach Boys did another famous version. The other fact, this was the first episode of Cheers I ever watched. Ah, It's true. So uh, are we going to get some little memories along the way, James? Maybe. We'll see. But uh, you gave a good description of this episode, didn't you? Little tagline type description. Beard contests
0: and Lisa Kudrow? That's it. That's all you need to know about this one, I reckon. The ultimate combination. (laughs) This This episode aired on the 23rd of November, 1989. It was written by Dan O'Shannon and Tom Anderson, directed by James Burroughs. They knew what they were getting in for with a a beard contest on Lisa Kudra, I reckon. Yes. They, They knew this is the makings of some classic cheers. No doubt this will be the first episode that would introduce little James Marshall to, to the classic <laughs> sitcom. They knew it when they're writing it. They went, this this will inspire a whole podcast dedicated to this 11 series drunk sitcom. And it all began for James with two girls for every boy. Couldn't have put it better myself. Yep. That's exactly what happened. I guess this is your
1: origin story, James, but should we start with the cold open? Fraser and Lilith are having their first weekend away. With Sans baby. I've I've put that exactly in my notes as well, verbatim. (laughs) They've hired a Swedish nanny, which I think is notable because in one of our bonus episodes on Wings, season three, episode 16, planes, trains, and visiting cranes, they are talking about a Danish nanny they've hired. So you know, they hire nannies exclusively from scandinavia it seems
0: i like that that, that you should have up with that fact james <laughs> <laughs> very <laughs> observant that's what i'd say fraser much like that episode really he gives it a you know, vivid description of their nanny and it uh, gets the bar a bit excited actually especially cliff and norm i'd say
2: we've locked into the most fabulous au pair you know one what? of those foreign exchange students what? who in return for room and board take care of the child <laughs> Ours happens to be large, blonde, and from Sweden. Mm. And now, uh, Lilith doesn't object to having a spicy little Swedish meatball around the house? Eh? <laughs> she's been so busy being a mommy, I don't think she's even noticed. Come on, Fraser. We don't want
1: to cut into Torsten's exercise time. It's the old switcheroo, James. Instead of what they all expect. In the bar, it turns out to be a muscular Swedish man.
0: (laughs) I saw at the gyms. I thought it was a fun cold open, but it may inspire a house special for us because uh, a spicy little Swedish meatball. That that sounds like it could be good for the end of this episode. Yes, it's on the cards. That's all I'll say. I've I've, I've, I've looked at the menu and I've went, "Mm, I'll make my decision a bit later on, but tempted. A spicy little
1: Swedish meatball. Interesting. <laughs> I've got a fun fact about a uh, Swedish cuisine.
0: Should you want to okay. hear one?
1: Yeah, yeah, always. During World War Two, which, you know, is,
0: <laughs> that's a happy yeah. way to start. you got to consider when you say a fun fact and, and think about the fact before you... It, it, it is fun. fun.
1: During World okay. War II, there was obviously rations, you know, and, you'd, and on what could be imported into Sweden food-wise, right? One of those was bananas. And they weren't able to get back to proper or desired amount of bananas until the late 60s, early 70s. So a lot of Swedish recipes from the 70s used bananas because they were celebrating they could use them again.
0: I tell you what, Jesse, you- <laughs> uh, So there's banana pizza- <laughs> You won me back with that in the, the end. It was I, when you said the country no longer had the desired amount of bananas. <laughs> that was that was how you won me over. But I'm, yeah, maybe it is a fun fact. I feel like next episode, Cliff's going to be saying that story, and you'll be like, "I swear." <laughs>
1: It's a little known fact that uh, during the World War II, Sweden did not have uh, the desired amount of bananas.
0: <laughs> well, nevertheless, I thought it was a fun cold open, but short and to the point because it had mm-hmm. to open up a lot of space for a uh, meaty episode, I'd say there's a lot going on in this one. We said at the beginning, Beard Contest and Lisa Kudrow, there's a lot to unpack. Two very heavy-sided A and B plots, I'd say two A plots, maybe. I assume they wrote the
1: Lisa Kudrow one first because of the title of the episode. And then they went... We you need about five to ten more minutes, and one of the one of the, beard contest. You're a genius.
0: <laughs> well, I tell you what, James. We start with Sam running late for work. There's a bit of a sort of witty exchange between him and Rebecca. Very, yeah. very typical. Cheers. So your, your your young mind must have went back to that moment, seeing this again. I think at the
1: young age I watched it. Sam is seven minutes late and, and stubbly, and he claims he forgot to shave. I didn't understand uh, that part uh, at the young age, but I did like his, his reasoning where there, she was like, oh, why are you late? And he went, well, I was seven minutes late for a date last night and you, know, you can never get back the time. And I thought that was a witty,
0: witty retort. But you mentioned his stubble there, James, and that sets up a bit of this episode because yes, oh, he says he forgot to shave and she says that he's sort of lying a little bit about that and that he probably thinks he looks good with a bit of stubble. Mm-hmm. In the words of Rod Stewart, "Do you
1: think I'm sexy is what sam is uh, is, is what Sam is inquiring? I mean, if you don't know that song, then, then you think I'm just being a very strange man. But
0: <laughs> I think, uh, Do you know, I thought you'd know, and if you don't know that song, here's what it sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> this talk of beards and stubble growth uh, and how that can be uh, attractive is obviously picked up as conversation by none other than Cliff.
2: Women really can't resist a thick proper jaw here. It goes back to... Uh... It's back to Androcles. Now oh, wait a second, wasn't uh, Androcles the guy who pulled the thorn out of the lion's paw? That's what he
0: told his wife when she found the scratches on his back, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you guys, babes and beards.
2: Yeah, beards is such a babe magnet, why don't you have one? Uh, as a matter of fact, Carla and my family's history, I'm the first Cleveland to go without a beard you the first Flavin to go
0: without a tail. <laughs> I like to think it's all improvised. It's a great back and forth between John Ratzenberger and George Wendt. And I feel by this point they're rolling with all the riffs.
1: Yeah, have you ever watched or heard of Mork and Mindy, the Happy Days spin-off starring Robin Williams as Mork, an alien? There were parts in the scripts for Mork and Mindy because Robin Williams is very big on improvisation where they just wrote, Robin improvised. <laughs> and they're like, you could you could fill three minutes with this, can't you, Robin? And I like to think that there are bits and cheers where they just go, Ratsy improvises a fact.
0: <laughs> well, he, he goes on to fill the time because uh, Carla asks him, well, why don't you have a beard then? He says that he's the first in a long line of. Clavin's to go without mm. and it sets up this idea of uh, a beard growing contest which i love as an idea as a framework for an episode i think it's a great idea beard
2: growing contest you got it what do you say Sammy? 20 bucks yeah, what the heck i haven't had a beard for a while and it's all in good fun really looks sexy huh <laughs> oh yeah yasser arafat always gets me hot <laughs> Be the judge you have one month starting today beards will be rated on length body fullness luster sheen and bounce
0: bounce how are you gonna judge bounce you'll see <laughs> what
2: well, do you uh say then now you want to put your peach fuzz in the statin line like i got nothing better to do than sit around a bar all day and watch my hair grow yeah i mean yeah can you believe this pathetic display It pleases me that you're secure enough in your masculinity to forego these never-ending rites of passage. No, no, I mean that this convention of babies' bottoms
1: think they can grow better beards than me.
0: (laughs) All right, you bald-faced debutantes, I'm in. Frasier, what are you like? (laughs) So uh, the four of them have went all in on this bet. $20 each, James. But it sets up a lovely premise and it's something that we'll dip into throughout this episode. But there's some other news in the bar. It uh, starts with Woody coming into the bar. As a customer. Ah. And he's on a date with Kelly from uh, quite a few episodes ago, now I'd say. Last season. I don't think she's made an appearance this season so far. I thought you
1: meant meant the date started a few episodes ago and it's still going. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yes, you're right.
0: She hasn't appeared in season eight. welcome return of Jackie Swanson. Kelly Gaines As always she's great In the role And it makes a good Dynamic with her And Woody in a scene And she's thoroughly Impressed with the idea That Woody's went up To the bar And uh, is kind of Bossing Sam around A little bit Saying (laughs) I'm the customer You have to do what I want Doesn't make life Too difficult He just goes uh, Beer Well he gets a phone call As well whilst he's there Cheers Yeah, Hold on a second Woody Lee Bradkin Aren't you forgetting Something Sam
2: I'm the customer You bring the phone to me (laughs) In that case, I'm going to charge you $2 for that ginger ale. Coming. (laughs) Hello. I did? Oh, thank you, Mr. Bracken. Oh, thanks a lot. I won't let you down. Thank you very much. Hey, everybody, that was the director of my community theater. I finally got a lead in one of our plays. (laughs) First, I get a bike when I'm 10, and now this, boy,
0: (laughs) After many months and maybe even years by this point of working in this sort of, uh, what do you call it? Community theatre? Yeah. Community yeah. But he's finally got a sort of his breakthrough as a main role. He's hiding this news from Kelly because he doesn't want to make her jealous, James.
1: And also he says that, you know, she's an old fashioned girl, I don't know how she'd feel about me being in a, a play which has, you know, mature themes, maybe, TVMA. Mm. It's our town, is what the play is. Do you know anything about our town? No. <laughs> no, I feel like I should have looked something up as well. Uh, <laughs> I know a little. I know it was. It's from the late '30s by mm. Thornton Wilder, and I think he's written a lot of plays. It tells a story of a uh, small town America, and Woody kind of mentions that fits the role. Yeah, I might have got it. But I don't know much about
0: the plot. Well, I can tell you one thing about it, James, is that uh, the female character in the show is called Emily, and so is Woody's acting partner, because they share the same name. He says this is probably easier (laughs) for her to act because of it. I like how meta
1: that is. (laughs) (laughs) I was just going to say, there's a story about when they were casting for season four, and they were looking for someone to replace Nicholas Calisanto and and the role of coach, and they were going mm. for a younger role, you know, to change the dynamics slightly. In a grocery store, or supermarket, George went was shopping, and Woody Allison saw him and was like, "Hey, I'm in. I'm going to be in Cheers," and he was like, "Oh, cool, that's uh, great. What's your name?" And he went, "Woody," and he went, "No, the what's your name? Not not the character's <laughs> name." And he went, "Woody," and George went, just went. Okay, and just left.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's an exciting opportunity for Woody, uh, the character. He's excited about it. Like you said, the themes of the show are young love. Without knowing the play, I'm going to assume it's a bit like Romeo and Juliet. It's a little bit tragedy and it's a little bit romance. Yeah. And the next scene that we get is actually some of the rehearsals at this community theatre. And uh, we get to meet some of the cast and director and sort of stagehands there. Every
1: time I hear of community theatre, I think of... Well, no, that's a lie. Every time I see a kind of director of community theatre, I always think of John Lovitz. Guest role in The Simpsons. I've had three successful Broadway plays and three heart attacks. I'm hoping for a fourth.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and I suppose that, that that's there's some parallels here because that is the episode with a streetcar named Marge. Is that the episode? Yes,
1: yes, it is. Yeah,
0: and in that episode, Marge is a little bit uh, you'd say passionless. Towards yes. Ned, who she is her acting partner in that episode, and Woody is very much the same. Where he he's struggling to act with an, another partner, I
1: guess. Yeah, no, they are having a trouble, and it's partly because there's a guilt Woody feels in expressing love or romance to someone who isn't Kelly. Not great for an actor. Not great for an actor, <laughs> but very Woody, I'd say. Very Woody, very endearing. Something very sweet happened uh, to a person in in real life when they weren't doing a role. Remember in Taskmaster with uh, Victoria Corin Mitchell, who is a journalist and and satirist here in the UK. She was on Taskmaster, the game show. One of the tasks they did was propose to one of the producers of the show. You know, best proposal wins. Obviously it wasn't going to be taken any seriously, not legally binding, but she basically refused the task because she said, I'm so besotted with my husband that the mere idea of proposing to another man upsets me. And it was really sweet. (laughs) Similar sentiment to uh, Woody, I guess. He just doesn't express it
0: (laughs) so vocally. I suppose that's an innocent and purity to that but yeah. this isn't I was about to say, this isn't jiving this isn't <laughs> jiving with the director <laughs> who uh, <laughs> asks his assistant director to run lines with Woody as he has a bit of a sidebar with Lisa Kudrow's character Wait, did we say Lisa Kudrow is playing this love interest Lisa Kudrow is Emily yes did we say that well we have now we brushed over that quick if we did Lisa Kudrow is Emily she's
1: she's dark haired in this is she in anything else yeah we could do the cast now I feel like we've met most people yeah let's do the cast now BB neuros as Dr. Lilith Sternon, Jackie Swanson as Kelly Gaines, Lisa Kudrow has in fact been in other stuff. She she plays Emily in this episode of Cheers. She also appeared in New Heart, Bob, Coach, Hope and Gloria, Clock Watchers, Hacks, Analyze This, Mad About You. Fun fact about Mad About You. It's where Ursula Buffet first appeared. And you know, we will go to where Ursula Buffet was, I guess, more seen. Analyze that. Friends, where Ursula Buffet later appeared as uh, the sister of one of the main characters. Twin sister, I should add. P.S. I Love You, Hotel for Dogs, The Other Woman, Cougar Town, Easy A, Scandal, Web Therapy, The Comeback, Bojack Horseman, Angie Tribeca, The Girl on the Train, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, Booksmart, The Good Place, Space
0: Force, and many more. So you'd class her as sort of sitcom royalty at this point, wouldn't you?
1: I think yes. She's definitely established herself in enough comedic roles. Who else from that era is sitcom royalty? I'd say all of the Friends. All of the Friends cast. I think David Schwimmer and Matt LeBlanc have continued doing comedic roles.
0: Cougar Town, which Lisa Couture appears in, was Courtney Cox's sort of own thing, right?
1: It was yes, uh, which was really? written by Bill Lawrence, who made Scrubs. Ah, uh, Scrubs is sitcom royalty as well. Yeah, Jeffrey Richmond as Lee Bradkin, and he's the director. He also appeared in Paper Dolls and Modern Family, but is better known as a producer of Wings, Stark Raving Mad, Stacked, Desperate Housewives, Rules of Engagement, Modern Family, and Uncoupled, to name a few. E.B. Rose Smith as Ron. Who is the assistant uh, to the director and I assume set decorator type things? He also appeared in Brew Baker, Aftermash, Hill Street Blues, TJ Hooker, The Twilight Zone, New Heart, Outrageous Fortune, LA Law, Murphy Brown, Fletch Lives, Turner Hooch, Doogie Houser MD, Baghdad Cafe, Falling Down, Grimm, Portlandia, and many others. Mark Cobber as Horston. This is a big one. He had acting roles in Hard Bodies 2, The Golden Palace, Baywatch 24, Baywatch Hawaiian Wedding, CSI Miami, Spider Man 3, You Don't Mess With the Zohan, The Spy Next Door, Dollhouse, Iron Man 2, Ted, Iron Man 3, Castle, NCIS LA, Fear of the Walking Dead, The Nice Guys, House of Lies, Hotel Artemis, Narcos Mexico, Veronica Mars, Ellie's Finest, The Mandalorian, and many more. His roles as a stuntman and stunt coordinator include Baywatch, Firefly, Old School, 24, Angel, Carnival, Scrubs, Charmed, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, Kirby Enthusiasm, Snakes on a Plane, Medium, Numbers, Iron Man. House, Sons of Anarchy, Ted 2, House of Lies, Westworld, and many more. He is also the face of true grit clothing and the stunt double for Mickey Rourke. Philip Pillman is uncredited as Phil, and Al Rosen is uncredited as Al. Sad fact, John, this is Al's last episode. Very sad fact.
0: It is a sad fact. But I tell you what, James, Al had some very good moments through the seasons, and it will never be forgotten in the show. Sinatra! (laughs) (laughs) This is the last moment in the show, and I'm sure we'll toast him at the end of this episode. For a small background character, so much charisma, so much screen time, and so many quotable moments as well. But we mentioned three actors within that road call, and uh, one of them was Lisa Kudrow as Emily, and we've also got a a director who's pulled her aside to have some words about her acting with Woody. He's trying to get over the fact that they're not having much on-screen chemistry by sort of telling her maybe to force that out of Woody. Emily, honey. We got a little problem here.
2: Is it me? Because I really felt connected in that last run through.
0: (laughs) you're the best actress we have. No, it's Woody. I I think I may have to replace him in the part. Every time he has to touch you or play anything resembling a love scene, he he just freezes up.
2: Maybe I can get him to loosen up.
0: Well, give it a try. I suppose if you could get him past that one little block, then we could be free to work on all his other blocks.
2: I'll try, Mr. Bradkin.
0: Uh Woody, honey, you want to come back center stage. Emily's going to work with you a little longer. Come on, Ron, I need a lift to my sister's up at the Cape. Do I have to? Ron, Community Theater. <laughs>
1: She uh, tells Lee Bradkin that, you know, uh, if you leave Woody and I alone, I can kind of loosen him up a little, you know. And Lee goes, okay, but you know, we're on in a week or something. Although on the next day, very soon, isn't it? Not
0: much time at all, James. Lee Bradkin leaves them to continue rehearsing. Things get a bit uncomfortable
1: for Woody. They do. Though this was my favourite scene of the episode. She suggests an improvisational exercise and there's ladders. You know, she's like, you know, let's just improvise like our characters as though we're, you know, two young teenagers in, in, in love and goes into this whole thing where you go, ooh, look at the moon. And, uh, basically she encroaches on his ladder space, which gives this perfect line.
2: <laughs> it's a beautiful moon, isn't it, Woody? I mean, George? It sure is, Emily. I mean, Emily. <laughs> I hate to waste a romantic night like this when we could be Exploring our feelings for each other. What are you doing improvising on my ladder? Come on, Woody, don't be shy. Well, I'm not. There's just that perfectly good ladder over there that nobody's improvising on. Woody, I think we need to feel the same passion and fire that George and Emily felt. Now. what, what are you doing? Improvising the farewell scene. There is no farewell scene. There is now.
1: And that was the moment where I went, I am invested in this show. <laughs>
0: yeah, Woody begins on a ladder and his his exit to the, the ladder gets blocked off. So the only way is up. <laughs> We've set up both plots now, James. Uh, we'll go back to the beard contest because I think that's do some resolution. But before we see the end of the contest, we get to see everyone's halfway stages, or actually it's the day before the end of the contest. Yeah, And we see each character come in one by one with different levels of
1: beards. Carlos set them one month to grow their beards, which means that this scene is one month later.
0: Yeah. So we get a lot of banter in this scene. We initially start with Ted dancing in the bar with his beards. I feel like as we go through, James, you should be rating these beards. Ted, I think, had a good beard. Good is my rating. I assume (laughs) you do numbers. (laughs) Uh, Ted's I'd say a Solid Seven or eight And yeah. then uh, we get the entrance of Norm comes in And I think Norm uh, Five, six It's okay It's quite uh, Scraggly It's big isn't it But it's Scraggly yeah. Mine would most resemble Norm's To be honest
1: I did go full Kind of Kurt Russell the thing once During lockdown <laughs> Fraser had a good beard He compares himself to Sigmund Freud And I'd say yes I think Frazier had the best
0: beard I think Fraser's definitely Suited him the most So eight Nine I'm I'm unsure of the uh, how real these beards are. I know some of them are straight up fake, mm-hmm. but I tell you what, James, we, we need to talk about the the main. Ah. I don't know what would you call... not not event was that a pun? Oh, main, yeah, yeah, sure. That, that yeah. I wasn't <laughs> intentional, but I'll go with it. Mr. Cliff Claven walks in, aka the Wolf Man. Ah.
2: It's just Cliff. <laughs> Very funny now. Very funny. Don't give up your day job, huh? Oh, <laughs> that's right. You don't have a day job. <laughs> All right. Come on, Cliff. Admit it. The beard looks a little pathetic, huh? Apology accepted now. <laughs> you know, you guys, tomorrow is Woody's opening night, and he's really excited, so why don't we chip in? <laughs>
1: I see a werewolf with a Chinese menu in his
0: hand walking through the streets of Boston in the rain. Is that sort of uh, it felt like a sort of slightly poetic Blade Runner esque ending <laughs> to the podcast for a second.
1: <laughs> no, it's a uh, Werewolves of London by Warren Zevon. Oh. It's a song and the music video is bizarre, but fantastic where it's, you know, Teen Wolf, the Michael J. Fox film. It's that level of yeah. kind of werewolf, <laughs>
0: werewolf design. <laughs>
1: it's just, it's just a werewolf looking like that eating Chinese food.
0: <laughs> but I tell you what, Cliff Claven's hair is not as full or thick as anyone else. It's uh, scraggly, it's fuzzy, patchy. it's inconsistent, patchy yeah. and, uh, it's getting a lot of jokes across the bar, so much so that even when Rebecca comes into the bar, she uh, screams in terror and says, the Wolfman, which is a, <laughs> a great moment. It's a lovely sequence. And, and I think Cliff is, especially after this big talk around growing beards at the beginning, he's feeling a bit embarrassed, but he's got one more day to try and win this competition.
1: There's one exchange I want to talk about. It's
0: between Frasier and Pete. Mm-hmm.
1: And Fraser asks him if he thinks the beard makes him look older And uh, Pete goes, nah, it's your hairline that makes you look older, Uh, which is a bit (laughs) savage. But also, Frazier calls him Charlie. His name's Pete. So no wonder Pete's being a bit sassy. Can't blame Pete slash Charlie for that, then. (laughs) So,
0: so Steve, what do you think of this episode of Cheers? (laughs) Don't start on me. (laughs) But yeah, so this competition sees through into the final day, which has a few rounds... I can't remember all the rounds, James, but one stood out to me, which was the absorption test. Are beards known for their absorbs? Yeah. And I think that, I'll tell you why it stood out to me, James. Their test was Carla poured a load of pints on the bar surface yeah. and they had to wipe their beards into it to see yeah. how much they could pick up. Norm took a little bit of a sip and got called out for yeah. cheating. What I thought was weird about this, James, was the idea of forcing a recovered alcoholic yep. to rip his face <laughs> yeah and the beer on a bar surface. Just just don't <laughs> breathe in, Sam. You'll be fine. <laughs> but what we need to mention is for the day of the main event, the actual competition itself, Cliff comes in with a, um, a full mane of beard. Yes. He claims that it all filled in in the last day. It was absorbing like a sponge. <laughs> Carla gives a pull on it to see if it's real. It's uh, 100%. It's not going anywhere.
1: Carla begrudgingly declares him the winner. He wasn't our winner. Even even no. then he wasn't mine, I'd say no, i think I think Fusher should have won I'll agree with that the the people's champion Emily meets Woody at cheers. Because they need to get more rehearsing. Well, they're on stage tonight. Well, then I think it's a bit late. I think Lee should have made the call by now. Well, it's not like, what do you mean the call? <laughs> what's, what's the call? The understudy. They probably had an understudy. He should have made the
0: call. But as you say, Woody and Emily are both within cheers. Emily's asking if there's a place they can run some lines to practice before first show. And they go into the pool room to run some lines.
2: I love you, Emily. I need you. <laughs> To be more
1: like this. As usual, the struggle is Woody making his lines seem like he's delivering them to Emily specifically, you know, because they're, they're difficult lines to say because of the emotional uh, weight. But uh, in a
0: sort of last ditch attempt to try and revitalize this play, she forces a kiss on Woody. And at the exact same time, Kelly enters the, the pool room as well.
2: Woody, I can't believe it.
0: Oh, wait, Kelly, it's not what it looks like.
2: You make excuses, Woody. You know, I see what's going on. You're busy every night and you won't tell me why I walk in here and find the two of you kissing in the back room of a bar. It all adds up. You're on a plane. You didn't even tell me. Wait, maybe I was just cheating on you.
0: Kelly storms out and goes to the bar door and Emily meets her there and the rest of the bar are hoping for a bit of a fight. Yeah, cat fight, cat fight. They're both quite soft, spoken, sweet. Uh, ladies, so a kitten fight at most, and uh, it ultimately comes to Woody talking to Kelly about him being in the play and not being able to do it because, and again, quite sincerely and sweetly, he says he's struggling to even act uh, as if he loved anyone else other than her.
1: Shortly after that, he realizes the uh, secret of acting. Basically, she tells him if you can't do this, Woody, you'll be replacing the part. And he says it seems quite earnestly. He tells Emily that he loves her, and then he just starts. <laughs> telling everything in the bar that he loves them.
2: I love you, Air. Mm-hmm. Hey, all right. Now say it to this guy. I love you, Tecumseh. <laughs> yeah, I'm starting to get the hang of this. I love you, Miss Howe. Thank you, Woody. <laughs> I love you, Mr. Claven. Well, what do you think? Uh, sir, quite a man to admit that. <laughs> I was just acting. Oh yeah, so was I. <laughs> I'm starting to get this. Now say it to me. I love you, Emily. (laughs) Oh, Woody, Mr. Bracken said that if you didn't get over this, he's gonna replace you in the part. I love you, Emily. (laughs) So that's the secret to acting fear. So what are the bad things that you say about me?
0: happy ending for Woody there because uh, it's all sort of worked out for him. He's learnt the power of acting. He's going to do all right with this show, I reckon, after that. We get a little closing back up with the beard competition between Sam and Rebecca, where Sam's talking about he might shave it off, but it seems like she likes it. She keeps apparently getting little glances at it, and he's teasing her a little bit with that. But she's got a real fantasy,
1: which is uh, sitting on a guy's lap, lathering up his face, and this is verbatim,
0: Taking it off, taking it all off She then calls Norm into her office <laughs> And then we get one final Last beat of this episode Which is Cliff on the phone Talking to what we can only assume is a glue manufacturer Because he has glued A fake beard to his face
2: <laughs> uh, Yeah, I'd like to talk to somebody about One of your industrial adhesive products <laughs>
0: <laughs> ah, Cliff, what happened to your face? Mr Wolfman <laughs>
1: I've got I've got a question to kick off this. But as usual, before we open our letters, we have to give a shout out to our norms on Patreon. So this goes out to Treb Curry. If you want that special norm treatment, then check out our Patreon page for that and so much more. Sam was late
0: in this episode. How many minutes late was he? Seven. Yeah, bang on the money.
1: Lif claims, you know, when they're first discussing a beard contest, that he could grow a beard that would outshine Sammy's Rebecca claims uh, that a bearded man always gets her hot. Somewhat sarcastically, which man is this? Basically, name a bearded man. It's all,
0: it's all I feel like I don't know the sort of zeitgeist of America at the time. Enough. It,
1: it's not. Um, an
0: American. The joke in a UK sitcom would be Noel Edmonds or someone like that.
1: Someone who's very uh, middle of the road and not that. Bearded,
0: but also well known within a sort of children comedy setting.
1: Uh, yasir Arafat. Who's that? That's exactly how uh, Sam responded. <laughs> <laughs> Rebecca said, yasir Arafat always gets me hot. And then Sam mouths, who, to Norm? (laughs) Yasser Arafat, at the time of the episode of Cheers, was the third chairman of the Palestine Liberation Organization. uh, I've already had from 69 to 2004.
0: Well, hopefully a bit of an easier question for you, James. (laughs) Uh, In this episode, the character Lee Bradkin was wearing what I would call uh, maybe a stereotypical sweatshirt for a theatre director. What was on his sweatshirt? Les Mis, yeah, the, the ah. poster for the theatre show Le Miser- Le, Les Miserables. Les Miserables. Le, Le, Le miserable. Frasier
1: talks to Woody and says that he had a theatre role, you know, when he was in, uh, was in college. What role was this?
0: I feel like it's going to be something uh, Shakespearean, but I could be wrong. It is not. Uh, then I don't know, James. Man
1: number two in Can Can.
0: That's the last call then, James. And I tell you what, before we talk about what we're going to be drinking, I know what we're going to be popping on our playlist because it's got to be Surf City.
1: Which, you know, what's what's the uh, famous line from
0: it, John? Uh, Two girls for every void. I was going to say Surf City USA. But yes, you are... (laughs) (laughs) That will make its way on the playlist. But what are we going to be drinking?
1: What will we be drinking? Now, this is a good question. I think maybe something Swedish, something beard related, maybe let's say, um,
0: I got a bit of an idea, James. Yeah. How do you reckon for a Sinatra Manhattan in honor of Al? I agree. Yes. I think it's a a mighty fine episode. His last appearance was the first episode you saw. So I think we got a toast to your first episode of Cheers that you ever saw. Al's last one, Al Rosen. You want to add anything to the toast, James?
1: I think Lisa Kudrow was a nice addition
0: in this episode. Obviously this was before
1: her kind of breakout role in Friends.
0: With that said, James, I think we'll uh, toast our Sinatra Manhattan. And do you think that might be the cocktail of our month in our newsletter, James?
1: I think it has a good chance of being so, but you'll have to go on Patreon
0: to find out. We'll be lifting these beautiful cocktails saying, Sinatra, this has been Where Nobody Knows Your Name, a Cheers podcast.